Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 444 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I interview Antonio Iglesias of Kraken Empire and ask them about the design and development of their RTS skirmish game, Toy Tactics. This episode does continue with the audio issues I had from last time, I'm afraid. Do apologise for that. I've done my best to try to increase my volume. It was my computer trying to be helpful about uh, optimising the audio and failed abysmally. So for that, I apologise. But let's get back to the content of this episode. Toy Tactics relies on the player to draw formations of groups of soldiers, battalions, if you like, no more than that, to fight against various foes. It's beautifully designed and rendered. The sound design is exceptional. But what's really important is how immediate it is, how obvious every action is. But not without some challenge, of course. The enemies you face are quite formidable, certainly later on in the game. And it's not for the faint of heart. But nonetheless, it's really well developed and also well designed to basically onboard the player. There's a phrase that people really should stop using. But yes, the difficulty curve is quite steep, but at least there's a gradient towards it before we hit it. And it gives you plenty of warning as well. Antonio is very open and honest about the design and development process of Toy Tactics, I'm happy to say. And, well, let's listen to myself from the relatively recent past talk to Antonio about how Toy Tactics was made. Chris, take it away. Hello, Antonio. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Could you tell us who you are and what you do? Uh, I'm Antonio Iglesias, uh, the founder of Kraken Empire, and I've been developing games for uh, 16 years right now. Right, which leads me on to my next question. <laughs> Where did you make your start, or how did you make your start making video games? Uh, I, I was um, I, I studied uh, informatics engineer or informatics engineering. I think you you call it in, in English. Uh, it's um, it was a career about uh, programming and creating applications, but not games. 
so we I was very interested in in created video games. So uh, every every project in my in my career was about creating a video game, designing a video game. So it was everything about video games. So I discovered I liked uh, I, I I enjoyed so much to create video games that um, I started creating creating video games as soon as I I, I could. So I, I went to Madrid first. I was there for six years developing a couple of games. In fact, there was there were uh, study games too. Uh, one was uh, kind of total war, but in Second World War, and the other one was uh, kind of turn-based uh, uh, Warhammer tactics it, game. Look, looks like I haven't drifted too far away from that from that uh, genre yeah. in, in, in toy tactics, but we shall delve into that in the second half of the show. Okay, yeah. so that's quite a storied history. Thank you. So my next question then. And it's a bit hard to answer, but let's give it a shot. As a creator of things, could you tell us what your biggest influences are? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's difficult to, to answer. I think the first influences are from uh, uh, physical games, uh, from chess, for example, and from real board games, for example, for like uh, uh, like chess, like... Uh, uh, risk or uh, I don't know uh, Stratego were my my first study games that were uh, interesting to play and then I discovered video games and, and I was <laughs> I was attracted so much to video games that I was uh, kind of how can I translate these rules this is this is game experience into a computer so I am I'm an FPS player and an RTS player mainly but I play everything that comes to my hands. So um, I'm, I play everything I can. I don't usually like uh, uh, sports games. So I'm most influenced about uh, real-time games and tactics games and this kind of, of games. For example, for uh, before this game, we made Chromaya. That was a kind of um, um, 3D suit em up, uh, kind of a mix between uh, Descent and Star Fox, something like that. And uh, my influences were more uh, this kind of action games, this uh, like uh, like Descent, uh, like uh, Doom, like uh, I don't know any shoot 'em up that you can think of in in arcade games, uh, because arcade games are are my 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 infancy, my my, my childness were just arcade games and arcade machines. So uh, all the arcade games like, uh, I don't know, um, 19XX, 1944, uh, um, Tobachi, uh, Gradius, uh, I don't know, <laughs> a lot of suit maps right there. And from there uh, to the PC games, uh, um, for, for this game, for Toy Tactics, I would say my references are more centered in Toy in sorry, in um, Total War, in... Um, uh, now, totally accurate battle simulator. Although our game was uh, created before totally accurate battle simulator was released, because I've been working this game for six years, but uh, they they just got the same idea than me, uh, except from uh, for the part that I want to control all my units all the time, and they just release the game the the units and let them do what they do. Uh, for for this game too, I can I can name uh, Path North, 
that's a simplified RTS game, or Besiege, that's a very sandbox game. So it's um, a lot of different references for uh, uh, 30 years of gaming. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's a tough one to answer. You did good, though. Well done. Speaking of tough questions, here's another one for you. What video game developer do you admire most and why? Oh, I think for me as a programmer, I think it's John Carmack. Uh, he's such a genius about uh, the technical part of the big games. That's uh, yeah, it's quite amazing to to see the his his code, his his achievements, his everything. So yeah, I think it's Carmack. So, last question of the first half. Here we go. What are you playing right now, Antonio? Right now. Hmm. Now I play less games than ever because I'm so busy creating my own games. That's uh, I think that's what happens to us all as developers. But um, I, I try to play everything that that uh, that I can. Uh, the, the bad part is usually today I can't finish any game because there are kind of 100 hours to play the game, so it's impossible for me to finish the games. But um, I, I've tried uh, a lot of the latest games, for example. Uh, I don't know, um, God of War, uh, Hi-Fi Rush, um, um, Elden Ring. Uh, I was trying, I, I will have to pay to take it. Right. There was a pirate game about cards I was playing in Steam the other day. I don't remember the name. There's a few uh, pirate games on... on, Pir- on Pirates of Lows. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Idea again from friends. Mm. Alex in VR, I love that game. Okay, well, that's it for the first half. Let's uh, move on to the second half of the show where we're going to be delving deep into toy tactics.
So first question, regular listeners, it's really a question, it's a request. Could you tell us what is Toy Tactics? Uh, okay, uh, Toy Tactics is um, a real-time study game that uses physics quite a lot. So we try to, to use physics in a meaningful way. So it's useful for the player and to beat your opponents. And that makes sense to the to the world we have created. Uh, but the idea with Toy Tactics is to lower the entry barrier to real-time study games so that you don't have to spend two hours making a tutorial to learn how to play a strategy game. And you just can jump into the action, learn a couple of things, and start giving orders to hundreds of units with no effort. So the idea is to control uh, like a commander, like if you're the general, your army, but as if you are a trainer with a whiteboard and you're drawing the tactics in a whiteboard and just telling the, your units what to do. So uh, it's a very easy way, an approachable way to to enter this kind of complex study games in a very simple way. In fact, they are not uh, units, they are not persons. They are kind, this is kind of a, our world, it's kind of a Valhalla, uh, kind yes. of a underworld for soldiers that have fallen in battle. So they are fighting again, a new battle in the underworld, so they can be heroes again. And uh, the idea is that they are this kind of um, physical toys, so that, that's why they are this kind of roly-poly toys that uh, uh, empower even more the physics we're adding to the game. So we wanted the units to feel uh, the explosions, to, to receive uh, pushes from other units, even from their own units, when the units try to attack enemies and something like that. I didn't like the, the Total War approach that the first line is attacking the enemies and the second line is just looking at the sailing or something. So I wanted the second line of units uh, trying to push forward and attack the enemies too and, and support the, the, the front line of the formation. So I wanted this kind of physics to enter into battle and affect the result of the, of the battle at the end. And it, it works. The, the truth is it works. But we wanted to, to keep the game simple enough so uh, we don't empower that so much into the, into the players to overcome the first levels. We reserve this kind of complex situations and the use of physics uh, to, to win a battle for the puzzle games. For the, uh, we have this kind of puzzles, strategy puzzles and, and challenges, this kind of thing to, to make be more interesting for hardcore players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, here's my first design question for you. Mm -hmm. One of the earliest lessons that's taught in the excellent tutorial is um, is this need to split your army into smaller sections? You sort of like split them into different fronts and different units, and one unit supporting the other, and it teaches that very early on. What do you do in the level design and the environment of each engagement to encourage the player to explore this aspect of? Uh, Toy tactics. Okay, um, we we do a lot of things in every level, and we have different um, different objectives and different challenges in every level. So, um, okay, I don't know where to start. First of all, <laughs> I think we have uh, three challenges in every 
in every level. We have three objectives. There is a primary objective and two secondary objectives. The primary objective is the one you need to complete to finish the level. So the secondary and, and, and third, thirdary objectives are uh, uh, just optional. So if you are a hardcore player, maybe you want to get it all to, to complete everything. Uh, and there is even a test in every level that's going to uh, give you an artifact to use uh, in your units. Uh, but the idea is to create several challenges at the same time in the same level so that different players can play in different ways and enjoy at their level, at their level of expertise. So um, the idea is to uh, create different challenges and for some of them, maybe you want to split your units in different formations. For example, if you want to attack a uh, high ground and keep the defending, I don't know, defending a ship or something that the enemy wants to kill, you maybe want to split your units and split your infantry to keep a small group of infantry defending the ship and then move the rest with the archers to the top of the hill to conquer the hill and get a, a high position for your archers, for example. So we try to offer different challenges, different positions to defend, to attack, to, to make you make your own decisions. Uh, at the end, the game is about making decisions all the time, and you have to decide where to put your infantry, where to put your archers, how many infantry, how many archers, how many heroes, where is your king, uh, where do you place your, I don't know, long-range units, your uh, heavy units. So it's all about that. So we create a lot of different situations uh, with uh, different uh, buildings, uh, setups of the levels, uh, objectives, um uh different enemies in different places um we we tell you that from for example from uh cemeteries are going to appear new skeletons that maybe you have to take into account so you try to uh, read the level plan ahead and then ex execute your plan if you fail the plan you can try again and try a different plan so that's what we encourage all the time. And probably you're going to want to split your formations into or uh, use infantry in this position and attack with the archers in this other position. But probably you want to use half of your archers here, half of your archers there, store, I don't know, um, keep this position, defend this area, I don't know. And different levels, for example, attack levels are going to, I don't know, you have to destroy a fortress and you have to break it down, enter and kill everyone inside. Or maybe you have to defend a position and everyone should come at you. So maybe you want to defend the position from every different direction. And probably you're going to select different spells because when you have spells you can use to. And uh, maybe you have going, you're going to use defensive spells more in defensive levels and uh, aggressive spells in attacking levels. So we have a lot of different situations for you to enjoy in every possible way. I want to talk about a drawing now of formations. Mm -hmm. You get this brush, which you, you earn by actually recovering it from some chap who stole it for reasons best known to themselves. And uh, they go running off with it. It's great. And um, but the drawing of those formations, it's really sort of very etching on the ground. You get this great sound effect, is it sort of like crackling along the sound as if it's sort of gorging itself onto or like smacking itself down onto the ground, going, This is where they're going to stand and they're not going to go anywhere else. One of the things I did play it on with Wham Mouse and and keyboard and also with the controller, and they're both really well done. 
So I just want to ask, how have you managed to to pull that off? Because they are very different control systems, and to be able to actually enable the drawing of something with a controller is no mean feat. How did you manage to, to achieve this? Uh, the truth is that at the beginning of the design of the game, I had this game in my head for six years, and at the beginning, the idea was to draw the movements of the formations more than the formations themselves. So we wanted to draw this kind of arrows for infantry moving. Okay, infantry move this way, archers move this way, uh, cavalry attack following this line. So we tried that, and it was not so interesting to set the direction of the movements. But uh, we found the, the 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 funny part was to uh, the, the full control of the of your units and the strategy was to draw the formations and drag them around. So the idea was to draw a formation and then drag it uh, wherever you want, uh, just by hand. So we started with this kind of. Uh, um, the, the first version of this was kind of a drawing on a whiteboard and then project the whiteboard on the ground. But that didn't work very well because you didn't know where it was going to be projected. So we you needed to adjust all the time. So at the end, we ended with this kind of, okay, we want to draw the positions of the units. So we're going to draw directly on the ground. That's where the units are going to end. So we're going to draw a line of the ground and, uh, and the units are going to follow and, and look for their position and keep their position as much as possible. So we ended in this kind of, um, okay, I'm going to start drawing formations. I'm going to give you orders to my units just by drawing. And then all the interface made sense immediately. And we understood that everything we wanted to do with the units had to do just by drawing. So we ended in this interface in which you draw the formations, you draw where you are going to use a spell, you draw when you want to place a wall, when you want to place a tower, you draw all the time. So anything you want to do is just by drawing. So that's all what you want to do and all you need to do. And that uh, empowers us to, to make a, a proper console control too. So um, that there's no proper controls for real-time games in consoles. And we wanted to do that. And drawing is a good mechanic to apply with a dual stick controller too. So we found a way to uh, translate that into a dual stick controller for Xbox controllers or PlayStation controllers, and it works. So we are glad with that. It took a long time. It, not, it didn't happen in the first try. <laughs> but uh, at the end, we, we managed to, to make it work. Next question, then. One of the key things that one has to do when presented with a level or a theater of war or battle or something, is some kind of sense of where the threat's going to come from and also where the best place to put your, your, your archers or what have you, where best to take, you know, take the battle. As I said, controlling the battlefield. It's not too dissimilar to chess in some regards where you have to take control of the middle strip of squares. Once you have that, you're not home free, far from it, because chess is way more complex than that but you're in a def definitely a stronger position if you have the control of that space. So, what have you done in Toy Tactics to really communicate to the player that they're only working within the confines, the mechanics of Toy Tactics itself, but by the same time, designing maps to allow players to explore that aspect of combat, of actually exploiting the fact that I mean, there's there's some environmental effects. It doesn't not advertised, 
but when later on you start discovering things like this, there might be a, a cage full of explosions, explosives, for reasons best known. And you just go, oh, look, what's that over there? And you just like, you just push it over and the whole thing just sort of tumbles over and takes out half the army of the enemy. What, what, what kind of stuff do you do to make the player discover the, 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 the environmental and the, just, just learning their way through uh, over and above what you simply tell them? Yeah, that's a good question too. But um, because uh, players uh, with different levels of knowledge of tactics and, and battles and strategy uh, behave in a different way, so uh, it's very interesting to see when you don't give instructions to the players, they're going to try the first thing they think of. So um, I, I, I've seen first versions we tried with public because uh, we we. We as players, we know strategic games, we, we know how to play, we are hardcore gamers, so we know everything uh, beforehand. But when new players come to the game and they are not strategic players, they do things that are not very um, common for our, for hardcore gamers. No, that, that. So I had we had to adapt and we had to give hints to the player about how to finish the first levels so that they did understand uh, how to uh, place your archers, why high ground is important, and these kind of things. At the beginning, we are the, the third level of the Romans, fourth level of the Romans right now. It's um, it's about archers, and uh, you're going to learn how to use the archers. And the idea is that uh, you're going to defend some position, and units are going to come and come and come, and you have to kill them all. Uh, but you have a high ground, so choose the high ground because that's the important thing for the archers. If you get them your first line, they're going to die. So we saw the all the players at the beginning uh, with without hints and without any uh, clue about what to do. They just moved the archers to the spawn position to kill them as fast as possible. And that was a no, we don't want you to do that. We want you to use the high ground. So um, we had to create a sequence, sequential objectives. So you have to fulfill first a primary objective and then once you have fulfilled this objective then you're going to uh, unlock the next one so uh, for example in that level we created a tower at the top of the of the high ground and first you have to conquer that tower and rebuild it because you are a Roman so you can rebuild buildings and catapults and these kind of things so you go up rebuild the tower and you use this tower to kill the enemy so so the players usually use this high ground much more than before sometimes they even go and uh, use the tower to play some archers and some of them some of the archers go down and attack them as fast as possible so, so sometimes they retire while shooting i don't know in the strange ways but uh, that's part of the gameplay we we want to encourage so the player can try and experiment and and try different things and different approaches uh the good thing is that uh, once you lose you know what worked and what didn't work. So you can use multiplier for time, you can accelerate time. So you got the, you, you get to the problem as fast as possible. So just one minute ahead and you're again in the same position that created your trouble. I want to talk about, you mentioned it earlier, but let's talk about them head on. There are spells and blessings, artifacts mm -hmm. that you can get in toy tactics that really do change things up quite a lot. Um, and they are instantaneous things. Well, some of them are ongoing, like artifacts that you find in, in chests around dotted around the various battlefields, which you can then infuse into your various units who then 
then they'll become much more potent than it would be normally, typically. And then there are the spells. Now, the spells aren't ongoing effects at all. They are instantaneous things you can do to mess the enemy up. Um, the earliest one you get is this torrent of flaming arrows that come hurtling down from the sky. Could you talk us through the design of them? Because there's, it's, it's just really well balanced. I have to congratulate on that. Okay. Um, uh, so, several things to take into account. Uh, every, every army has its own spells and its own uh, artifacts. Uh, so they, they um, for example, Roman Empire has a lot of uh, spells and artifacts that are centered on uh, healing, attacking, fire, uh, these kind of things. But for example, uh, the Undead Army has spells that uh, try to empower the reviving the dead, uh, uh, promoting uh, corruption, uh, interchanging units and sacrificing units for more powerful units, invoking dinosaurs, uh, this kind of thing. So we try to uh, use the spells and the, and the blessings and the, the artifacts to empower the, the army and to combine them together. So, for example, um, in the Roman Empire, you have a lot of different spells and some of them are destructive, some of them are constructive, and some of them are related with um, reinforcements. So we use, um, for example, uh, destructive spells, we use them to kill units, basically. So the idea is to make damage uh, or destroy things or destroy towers or destroy anything. So we have destructive spells that are probably, uh, I don't know, slicing or exploding spells or this kind of thing. We have explosive picks, we have uh, fire tornadoes, we have meteorites falling from the from the ground from from the sky, so it's um, kind of uh, very destructive yeah, spells that are, are very useful. Even more when there are a lot of units together, or we are, you want to attack a fortress, or I don't know uh, different situations. But for example, you have building spells, so you can build a wall, you can build tower, uh, you can build um, healing structures. So that helps you develop the units and care, take care of the units. Uh, maybe more useful for defending uh, maps or, or missions. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be up to you at the end. Uh, and the reinforcements are just for uh, call for new units to help you. So, for example, uh, we have dinosaurs, we have uh, ninja monkeys, we have uh, for the for the samurai army, um, we have. Um, uh, jesters for the medieval army. We we have a lot of different uh, uh, reinforcement units that uh, add a bit more of uh, of uh, comedy into the game too. But the interesting thing here are the the artifacts. I guess uh, the artifacts are uh, are some objects that you collect in the, in the the levels that you can apply into your units, and they change how the units behave. So they add passive abilities into the into your units, and that's very interesting because uh, the idea we had with these with these spells, with these uh, with, sorry, with these artifacts, was to change the way you had to use the units. So, for example, um, in the Roman army, we have uh, the hero units, the the, the heavy units, that uh, are this kind of um, of big soldiers, uh, and they have two different artifacts. One of them is uh, healing artifact that when they die 
the Hilgens around. And the other is the opposite, that uh, so exposing artifact is exposing pizza and very, very spicy pizza. And uh, the idea is that they explode when they die. So one of them is uh, intended for using your heroes together with your infantry so that the, uh, the heroes are kind of supporting the infantry. And if they die, they heal the infantry. So it's kind of supporting unit. But if you use the explosive pizza, you want them to attack into the enemy and sacrifice the hero units and kill them and kill as many as possible with them alone. So they go on their own and you're going to use them as a first line of uh, attack or something like that and destroy as many infantry as possible because they're very effective against infantry. And we do that with every kind of unit. So we can use infantry and you can equip spells that make infantry resistant to art, to archers, to, to arrows, or you can use infantry in a way that they empower their attack so that they can kill big units, for example. So we want uh, th these artifacts to make, uh, to enable different tactics or different strategies or different ways to use your units. Uh, you can em equip uh, artifacts in your king or queen that maybe are more supportive for your units, or you want to get them together with your units, or maybe that empower the attack or, or something so that they can go alone. So depending on how you prefer to play, maybe you prefer to equip different artifacts. And we try to connect these artifacts with the spells. So for example, if you're using the archers, spells, um, for example, if you're using the archers, the artifacts that uh, make damage higher when they are in high ground, maybe you prefer the spell of using a tower so that you, you can get your archers on top of tower the most of the time so they can make more damage. So uh, you can combine spells and artifacts together to make even more complex strategies and make deeper uh, plans. So that's part of the, the, the hardcore uh, strategy we have in mind. I don't know. Have it... Um... Open up more options for the player to exploit and say, well, actually, I could do this, but I can actually unleash this whole combination and make things even better. It's it's almost like when you're playing Street Fighter, you're just building up for your actual, you know, landing your massive punch rather than, you know, doing a normal attack. You could take them out now, but no, let's just leave it until we go. <laughs> Yeah, we, we wanted to direct the player in some direction because usually yeah. the Roman Empire was kind of uh, static formations and, and yeah. training and these kind of things. And we wanted to give another option to, to the players so that they could personalize the tactics, the strategy, the units, how they use them. And uh, even more, we, we wanted every army to fit in a different way. So we added passive uh, abilities to the armies too. So the Roman Empire can use fire and they can build... Uh, buildings and they can build uh, catapults. The, um, the medieval army is based on ice, so they can freeze units and slower them, and they can combine kings and queens with uh, units to change the abilities of the units and the kings. So they it's very it's very complex, but it's very interesting. So you add different abilities to your kings. Uh, the samurai units are are able to hide in the fog. So they can use stealth mechanics. So they can surprise enemies from behind. They can uh, uh, hide and ambush the enemies. So it's interesting to do. Uh, the pirate army that we are developing right now is based on uh, gunpowder. So they use uh, explosions and, and, and long range uh, weapons. So that's going to be fun too. 
and the, the undead army is based on uh, reviving the dead. So they are going to collect the, the corpses from the dead from the battlefield and rise them again to, to battle for them. So they rise the skeletons from everything, even from seed and, and deer. So that's why they kill them. And they, they get your army bigger every time they, they face an enemy. So that's interesting to, to play. So we want to create different experiences with different armies and even empower them more with the spells and artifacts and everything. So that's a complete experience so that you're every time trying new things, trying new combinations and, and playing around with everything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's a great pirates and undead kind of like goes hand in hand. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so, Toy Tactics has been developed by Kraken Empire. It's a great name. What, oh, thank you. Where's that come from? I know what Kraken uh, is, but where's, where's the concept of Kraken Empire? I mean, it sounds horrific, but go on. Yeah, in 2001, when we when I was in university, we created that development team. We were very bad using uh, names, so we struggled to find a proper name. So we decided to use this Kraken that was not so common at that moment. Today, there are a lot of Krakens everywhere, but at that moment in 2001, there were no Krakens anywhere. So we used this Kraken. We called the team Kraken Studios, and we were five uh, members. So that's why we, the, the, the logo is a Pentagon. And at the end, uh, when we created the studio, we were two of them, two of the original five. We created the Kraken Empire, and we had to select the name. We took, we took I don't know, months <laughs> selecting a good name, and we had to ask, uh, because we're Spanish, so we had to ask uh, English native speakers if that sounded right or not. And it, it seems it does, so it's great, <laughs> but it uh, took a long, long time. Yeah, it always Even does. Even more for Toy Tactics to select the name because it's a <laughs> difficult name to to, to 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 apply to a game of strategy and drawing and then you yes. know, hundreds of names on the list. So yes, and Toy Tactics <laughs> is, is, is published by Joystick Ventures, is it? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, what uh, platforms is it available on? Right now it's only available on Steam while we are on Early Access. When we end Early Access, we, we have to... Now, right now we have like 10 hours of gameplay. We offer a Roman campaign, a medieval campaign, and, um, and a samurai campaign. Next will be the pirate campaign, and next the undead campaign. So there will be five campaigns, and then a multiplayer game. I don't know if I can say this. Um, <laughs> a multiplayer game mode that we, we will develop. And when we end all this and the additional gameplay modes, we're creating creative mode, uh, we have um, a puzzle game mode that you can try uh, first missions right now in the, the early access version. Uh, when we end all this content, we will get out of early access and we will translate into 10 languages, I think. And we will release in every platform. We will release in Xbox and PlayStation, hopefully in Switch. Uh, we still have to test the uh, performance, but uh, something we will release. I don't know if it can be the full game with hundreds of units. I, I, I hope so. But uh, if we have to reduce the number of units, we, are, we will do something with that. Well, I'm sure many people will be looking forward to that. Um, I certainly will, but I'm enjoying what it is for a moment. Like I said, it's 10 hours of glorious tactical adventure. There's a word. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic game. Fantastic game. And um, well, Antonio's you can play in deck two. 
if you want. So, so Steam Deck is working pretty well. Oh, too. yes, it does. Yeah, it works great on the Steam Deck. It really it's does. the only way you can draw with your fingers because yes, you can drag formations with your fingers and draw on your yeah. screen because the touch screen with your fingers, that's pretty great experience here. Yeah, there's a muddy pause all over the screen. There you go. <laughs> Just go over there. Just go. I mean, the amount of times I've had to like get, because I love putting the Romans into a box. Oh, they okay. love their box formations. It's like, yeah, put them in there. That's your, your Romans. That's what you do. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, Antonio, it's been wonderful having you on the show. It genuinely has. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I uh, really enjoyed our chat today about uh, tactics. And do wish you the very best of luck in uh, completing it. It's uh, like I said, it's out now on early access at the time of recording. And um, yeah, but uh, we have returned guests over the years and if you've got anything more cooking in your brain right now uh, probably is then uh, please do come back and talk to us about it but until then thank you very much thank you so much you have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast part of the Cane and Rinse Collective support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early extended and exclusive podcasts find us on Twitter Facebook Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, canorince.com.